Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear me, Jenny Scholick, in conversation with our principal bassist, Steve D'Amico, and associate principal bassist, Shinji Eshima. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, May 7th, 2019, before a performance of Alexei Rutmansky's Shostakovich trilogy. Hope you enjoy. I am really thrilled to have these two standmates here with me for this Meet the Artist interview uh, to talk a bit about their careers and about the Shostakovich trilogy. Steve is our final founding member of the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra and will be retiring at the end of the season, so I am particularly pleased to have him here with me tonight. And you may know Shinji not only from his spot in the orchestra pit, but also as a composer, uh, specifically of uh, Raku that Yurik Posakov choreographed a few years ago. I know many of you saw that performance. So welcome to both of you. And Swimmer, too. And Swimmer, too. And Swimmer, too. Yeah. So um, I'd love to kind of go back to the beginning. We don't always get a chance to meet our orchestra members. So if both of you could just talk a bit about uh, how you first got into music, where you're from, and how you first got into music. Well, first of all, I want to just thank you all for coming tonight. Um, I'm really excited about this because this is uh, my 44th season, and this is my final week. And so every moment is uh, kind of like vibrating, and I'm really excited because uh, it's, it's coming to an end. Um, fortunately, uh, Shinji and I play in the opera together, so um, I won't be retiring from the opera. So... Um, we will still be partners in the opera. But um, we have been stand partners now. Actually, when, when they asked me to do this talk, um, you know, I thought about it and I said, well, I can't do it without Shinji. I mean, he did say we that. do everything together. So, um, so I asked Shinji to join me because I thought it might be um, interesting to you to understand what it's like to be with someone uh, to share a stand with somebody for uh, almost 40 years. Um, we, we sit together just about like this. I mean, we have to have room for our instruments, which are right down there. But uh, we, um, we share, we've been sharing the same stand since in the ballet since 1982 and since 1980 in the opera. So it's been a long relationship and, uh, and it's uh, very interesting how it's, you know, how it's changed through the years, but we've always been able to, it's almost like we understand each other now. We don't even have to say anything. So, um, so anyway, I just wanted to um, uh, let you know that, um, you know, other people um, are partners also, like the first oboe and the second oboe. They don't share stands, but they, they have to play together in the, in the clarinet. So there's all of these relationships that are happening in the orchestra that uh, you might not be familiar with. I love that. And I will say, as someone who is uh, primarily a dance person, and I don't know as much about music as I do about dance, it's a relationship I'm not super familiar with. So could you talk, maybe just elaborate a little bit more on what it means for those who may not know to be a stand partner? I know it might seem self-evident, but... Okay, well, in the string sections, we always sit two per stand. So that's what we call stand partner. I mean, the woodwinds, they all have their stand because they have a separate part. But like Shinji and I uh, share the same stand, and then the, the second and four, uh, third and fourth bass also have a stand. So you, you create this, 
you know, there's this intimate relationship that's going on between the two of you. You, you kind of uh, support each other. Uh, you know, one person may be, like, getting fuzzy for a moment, like through a four- or five-hour opera, and the other person sort of gets that energy going, and, and so we help each other through a performance. So, you know, we're, 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 we're human beings, so we're, you know, we're not constantly 100% on, so we have to kind of, like, support each other. So there's a lot going on. But uh, I have to say, basically, Steve is the leader, and I always follow. So it's kind of like lemmings, too. So if uh, um, he makes a mistake, I generally make the same mistake with him. <laughs> I, I go crash right into the wall. I have to say, yeah, Steve, uh, I've known him actually for 45 years because the first time I ever had a bass lesson was down at California Music Center in Belmont, which is now uh, part of the Irving Klein string scholarship thing. And uh, I was having my first lesson there, and they needed bass players to come play in the orchestra, so they called on Steve, who was already semi-pro way back then. And so my first experience with Steve was, he was this god. <laughs> he was the person I followed even back then, and I was so in awe because not only did he play bass, right, but he had his own car. <laughs> I just thought that was the coolest thing. But um, And we've basically been together ever since. Sharing a stand is, is I've been spent more time with Steve than with my parents and all of my ex-wives combined. <laughs> but my principal role throughout all this time, I am the second player, and it's a tradition followed from the symphony where the inside player turns pages uh, so as not to break the visual continuity. So for 40-plus years, I have been turning pages for Steve and will continue to do so. And I, uh, not being good at math, I came up with a fun statistic that might amuse you that um, we've done well over a thousand performances of Nutcracker and roughly 20 page turns per performance. That works out to 22,200 page turns over a career. And that's just for Nutcracker, not including all the operas. So just to give you a, an idea of how very close we are. This is a, a special time. I mean, we're bass players. We never get a chance to come out of the pit and say hi. So uh, it took 44 years, but it's... <laughs> we finally made it. Yeah, yeah. Well, We've I, arrived. <laughs> I will say you were like my most request, you know, starting at the very beginning of the season, I had people saying, you have to be sure you get Steve up there before he retires. He has to do an MTA. So I'm glad to have both of you up here after 44 years to be doing this. So I'd like to sort of travel back in time, maybe 40 or 44 years, and I'd love to hear about what the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra was like when you first joined. Well, there's a lot of stories there. Um, back when this uh, began as a, uh, an orchestra, it was in 75, and uh, Michael Spewin joined Lou Christensen back then. And so, yeah. So we, uh, 
So he said, Michael said, I, I really want to have my own orchestra. And so uh, he, he got in touch with his friend Alex Horvath, who was a violinist with ABT. And, um, and then, so uh, back then there was no, there was no collective bargaining agreement. So we just, uh, they just put an ad in the union paper and they said there's going to be auditions. And we all showed up at the Mayflower, I think, hotel. And it was over on McAllister Street. And we played for the conductor. I played for the principal bass at the time. And, um, and that's how a lot of us were hired back then in 75. And there was only, like, I think, a core of 36 members. And um, so it was very different because, uh, you know, we, now we have, you know, a, a union contract and we have an audition uh, procedure. And uh, we, so it's, 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 it's quite different. Also, back then, um, it was a small orchestra. So um, and there was a lot of there was a lot more money for touring. So um, the orchestra actually went on tour with the dancers. And that was really a lot of fun. We had two separate buses, but it was the only time that we actually connected with the dancers because nowadays we don't tour with them. So we don't really get to know them as well as we did when we used to be able to tour in the 70s and the early 80s. So that was a lot of fun and, you know, gave us a chance to, uh, you know, socialize with them. Um, <clears throat> the orchestra was smaller. Now we've got a core of 49, but we play with about 62 to 65 uh, for the, our performances here in the Opera House. And um, so it's, um, it's changed a lot. And, and the orchestra uh, back then, um, you know, every, every generation, just the quality of the players has gone up. And I think the focus of the orchestra has gone up. And so I'm, I'm sure you've probably noticed it, that this, this orchestra has just kept developing over the, the decades. And, um, and, and now it's really, really a, a special orchestra. So you spoke a bit about uh, the relationship with the dancers, and I'm curious how much either of you knew about ballet, about playing for ballet before you started. Zero. <laughs> None. I had to write one before I figured out what ballet was about. But needless to say, it's affected both of our lives to the core, because we both ended up marrying ballerinas. <laughs> <laughs> We've fallen in love with ballet, essentially. I actually, uh, you know, had dated a few of the dancers back in the, in the 70s. And, I, you know, by the 90s, I wasn't interested at all because I kept getting older and they kept getting younger. <laughs> and, um, but there was one dancer, uh, Yolanda Jordan, that, that kind of caught my eye. And then she came to one of the orchestra's uh, famous potlucks that we have every year. And uh, we we started talking, and uh, before you know it, every 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 day that that week we were running into each other, and uh, that was just the beginning. And so we we've been married now for 21 years. Congratulations! And I, I will have to say too that Steve and I spent many an evening after a show over at Max's back in the day when you could smoke. We both smoked. We drank scotch, and he would talk about, I really like this girl, this ballerina. And for that went on for weeks, just, well, longer than that. I even convinced him to get a sports car. <laughs> but it all worked. It worked, yeah. Um, 
So I'd love to turn our attention for a couple of minutes to Shostakovich Trilogy, which we'll be seeing tonight before I open it up to audience questions. I am going to do that, so I want to warn you now so you can think about your questions. But I'd love to turn to Shostakovich Trilogy. You know, you guys get to play so much amazing music as part of the ballet season, but often I feel like Shostakovich is a particular favorite. Um, I hear that from some of the musicians and from Martin. Is Shostakovich a favorite of yours? And if so, why? And maybe what are some other ballets that really stand out in your mind as having been great to play? It's all yours. Well, um, I would say that um, Shostakovich is a favorite. Well, I love his music, but I would say that uh, Prokofiev has been more uh, of a favorite of mine because when we uh, first started the orchestra, uh, you know, Smuin did his uh, Romeo and Juliet, and that was the first time that I was ever exposed to that music. So, you know, that really uh, was very made a big impression on me. So, I would say that uh, the, the Prokofiev Romeo and Juliet and the Cinderella that we do. Uh, uh, was meant more to me than the Shostakovich. But so the we Shostakovich... can't convince you to stay for one more year? We've got both coming up. <laughs> well, I know. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. But, uh, yeah, whoever thought about retiring anyway? Was it my idea? No, anyway. Well, um, I think you'll love the ballet that's, that you're about to see tonight. And, yes, we do love playing Shostakovich, the challenge of it all, and it's very satisfying well-written parts for every instrument. But I think two books come to mind when I think of this stuff and why it's important to musicians. One is actually Stravinsky who said, I never understood a note of music, but I have felt it. And that applies to this, this music. And the second is Shostakovich himself, who in his biography testimony, he will say, in the beginning of my career, everything was Shostakovich. And as I matured, the music I was writing became Shostakovich, Beethoven. And at the peak of my career, everything became Beethoven, Shostakovich. And at the end of my career, it's just Beethoven. And the point of that is the sheer, I think, humanity of, of his intention and what he was dealing with politically. You'll see that in the ballet and human suffering and empathy for that. And getting to play this music is a way to express all of that, regardless of what instrument we play, if it's bass or triangle, trumpet, it all has that feeling of expression within it that's so satisfying to play. So Steve, you mentioned uh, the Michael Smeon, Romeo and Juliet as a particular sort of moment in your career. For both of you, any particular other performances that really stand out as especially especially special or that stick in your mind? Well, I think uh, one of them is Raku because, you know, this was Shinji's piece. I mean, he composed the music to that. So it was very exciting for him and, of course, and, and just for the whole orchestra because he wrote it for us. And so each each part that he wrote was for a for, uh, for a particular person. So, you know, when I have a little harmonic solo, he says, a la D'Amico in the score. You know, so... Um, yeah, I wrote it, wrote it for him, uh, specifically for you. 
Yeah. Because it, when the kimono goes up, there's actually a bass solo, and it's for Steve. And, but I made it harmonic so that it would be really easy to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Well, there there are so many, but um, I think I think uh, you know, going back to uh, meeting Yolanda, the last season I think it was '97 when she was dan- she finished dancing, and. Um, it was the year that we were out of the house, and we were playing. We were actually performing at the the end of the season was the the last performance, and we were at the Palace of the Fine Arts, and there was a uh, piece that Val Canaparelli did called Ciao Marcello, and it kind of had a jazzy, you know, pizzicato bass piece, and Yolanda was up there doing a, a kind of a, a jazzy solo. So, and uh, so it was it was kind of a. a a special moment for me because I had relatives in New York, in the audience, and um, and then I actually proposed to her that night. So, oh, that's a great story, Shinji. Any particular I was at moment? His well, sure. Yeah, the the ballets that I've written, working with Yuri Posakov, I was you know genius of our times, kind of the Jerome Robbins of our time. Um, witnessing that interaction also with YY. Uh, that intimately, just watching everything being created before my eyes, it gave me tremendous respect for ballet, and certainly it's sort of become now my favorite form of expression. It's mainly because it's without words, and so you feel some things so much more deeply, and it's it's uh, enhanced. I guess my appreciation for all all of life, and certainly my my friendship with Steve, which is. I still can't believe this is happening. It, it actually, I don't want it, you know, to be. Because we just started, it feels like, yesterday. And we've had a blast, I have to say. We're, you have to understand that this orchestra has a reputation as being the friendliest group of all orchestras. And if you spend any time with any of the other organizations, you will know this to be true. And that has a great deal to do with Steve and certainly the management of with Glenn McCoy. They've established this relation, and Tom here, Tom Rosa, former personal manager. But they established a rapport that this is the only institution that I know of, too, where, where we've never had a strike. We've never had a work stoppage, and that's really largely because of Steve. And that kind of continuity has enabled, I think, this company to develop into the the highest standards um, that it is now. I mean, it, it has all worked towards the goal of, of creating really beautiful things. I, I think that, that my contribution is being the chairman of the Players Committee, which is the, the, the committee that, that uh, you know, meets with management and we discuss things about the contract and do negotiations and stuff. I actually feel that that is, is, is a contribution that, that is more than my contribution playing bass in the, the orchestra because it like Shinji said it's it it's you know it it had to do with it has to do with getting everybody together and and uh, so you know when i when i first came here i remember walking across the street with the president of local 6 musicians union and he was going to be leaving he was, he was the president at the time and he and i was i was I was worried. I said, well, what are we going to do when you're gone? And who's going to be our leader? And he looked at me and goes, you are. 
And I just said, what? You know? And so, you know, people just grow in, in roles. And, and, and if you're given the opportunity, such as Glenn, Glenn McCoy has been uh, here for over 31 years. And, um, you know, he started, you know, as the company manager, went up to general manager and became our executive uh, director. And uh, now he is also retiring. But um, he's really, uh, you know, this, this company has given us all an opportunity to grow. And so I think, uh, uh, and, and a lot of us have been here, so some people have been here even longer than I have. So uh, there's a reason for that. And I think it's the community of the people that work here is, is what makes it such a great company. All right. I am going to open this up to audience questions, but I have one last question for you, Steve. When you're not playing for the opera, what are you going to be up to in your retirement? Well, I am going to be up to a lot of things. I really want to study the, the healing aspects of music. So that's a, that's a kind of a, a general term, but there, there's a lot of um, things going on in the medical field uh, using sound frequency, with, uh, either with crystal bowls, with... Uh, Tuning forks, uh, all kinds of different different uh, things that are happening in the in the field, and I wanna, I really want to look into that field and, and to see where that's going to take me because I, I I'm really interested in that, and so uh, you know, but I'll still be in the opera and um, I, I, I'm growing I'm, tomatoes. Glenn keeps saying uh, he's going to grow well, tomatoes. I live on the coast, so the tomatoes don't do so well there, but I do you know I do a little bit of. Fishing. I love to bake. I've got a pizza oven in the backyard, so I, I'll probably be doing a little bit of that, too. Fabulous. All right, we do have time for a few questions. Yes, right here. So the question is, what is the difference between playing for the ballet and playing for the opera? Well, we, have, we, have, we share some members with both orchestras. So there's about 20 of us that play in both orchestras. But each orchestra has its own personality in, as a collective they're different. So it's kind of fun once you go from one season to the next because even though some of your friends are, are, were in the ballet, it's a different feeling. And, and, and opera and ballet are completely different. So it's, it's, it, that's what makes it fun. It's like you know, if you're in a symphony, you're, you've got the same players and you're doing the same thing you know, for the whole year. But with, we're very fortunate that we get to play in two art forms. So um, it's, it's, it's really quite different. I think. <laughs> so the, I'm going to repeat the question. When do you get a chance to watch the ballet? Well, this is, this is a, the exciting part about retiring because, you know, so far, you know, I've only been able to see the dancers from the belly button up here to the head. I haven't seen their, 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 their toes and their legs, so I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of their bodies. <laughs> uh, we, we really haven't, uh, you know, as you can see, we're, are, you know, we usually sit over there by the wall, and we can, we can see a little bit, but, you know, we're pretty busy in the pit, and we have to focus, so uh, uh, there's not, I, we, we're, we're just not experiencing the ballet as you are, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're experiencing the sound and what, you know, emotions that we're bringing to the music, and, which is inspiring the dancers, so um, it's, it's, it's a little bit, we're a little bit disconnected from what you're, what you're experiencing, but, but I will say that there are many ballets that have, for instance, solo piano or tape music, so we can come up and see kind of what's going on and appreciate what the dancers do then. But, yeah, it's a little bit. 
So the question is how many ballet companies have uh, their own orchestra? Sort of how common is that? I think it's different in Europe versus the U.S. for one. But do you guys have statistics? I don't actually have statistics, but I can tell you it's rare. I mean, there's Houston, there's New York City Ballet, in Pacific Northwest, sure. But, I mean, even those orchestras are not tied specifically to the company. They often pick up orchestras or... But this is unique, uh, in New York too, but we're unique in that this is an orchestra dedicated to ballet. And for that reason, it's, it's actually an amazing group. And I have to say, as Steve was saying, the development of this orchestra over the years has been phenomenal. And then the principal chairs, you know, with uh, Cordula playing violin and Eric on cello, there's some... So much more soloistic type playing is required of a ballet orchestra because you have to play concerti, you have to play all the solos in the repertoire, you have to play sometimes solo sonatas on stage. So the diversity is huge and the flexibility is so required. And fortunately we've become now, I mean, thanks again to Steve, of, of creating a, an orchestra of such talent. Yeah, from turning pages. So, uh, <laughs> a two-part question. One is uh, thoughts on Yuri Posakov's new ballet this year, um, to United in a Single Soul, and also if you have any, you know, injuries after your many years of playing in the orchestra. Yeah, well, I, I actually contacted REA for that role of countertenor. Yuri was fascinated with countertenors and had started such a ballet, actually, for Royal Ballet, Royal Danish. And he brought it here. And um, um, Arie is in the Adler program for the opera, and he has since won every possible award you can think of. He's one of these super gifted 25 year old wunderkinds. He also is the nicest guy. So when I called him up to say, Would you be interested in this kind of bizarre idea? He said, sure, I'd love to it. And they were all the arias, because Yuri asked for specifically handle countertenor arias. He already knew them all from memory. And then when Yuri was staging the ballet, he said, the guy is perfect. Not only can he sing, but he can act, sing, remember his movements. And, and the cover came from San Francisco Conservatory, who another person recommended, who was also very, very good. It's kind of an amazing combination of talent, singing, dancing, being on stage, and having that kind of poise. So you're absolutely right to recognize that kind of special quality. And Yuri always is going to do something unique. He's going to push the envelope to do things that are new, make a handle aria sound like it came from Mars. But um, it is, it's with this kind of creative genius of wanting to express this kind of over the top, you know, so again, that Russian Shostakovich kind of thing of being, of uh, uh, identifying human frailty. So we are at time, and I do have to let you both go get in the orchestra pit from which I'm getting the signal that says we are at time. Um, but thank you both so much. Congratulations on fabulous careers, both of you, and especially Steve. And thank you all so much for being here with us tonight. Enjoy the show. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.